welcome to the Fertility Podcast, where we aim to educate and empower you on your fertility journey, whatever stage you're at. I'm Natalie Silverman, a podcaster, voiceover artist, and fertility patient advocate. And I had my son after successful fertility treatment. And I'm Kate Davis, an independent fertility nurse consultant. We'll be your trusted guides, chatting each week with experts and people just like you to let you know you're not alone. Let's dive in. So welcome back to the Fertility Podcast. Whoop, whoop, back. Have you missed us? I know that there's been a bit of a gap, but we had a very valid reason. We had to just down tools and put our attention on what we're going to be sharing with you. The conversation about fertility in the workplace. We missed each other, didn't we? I know. We've both been all sorts of different projects. We've been like not having our regular chats because of the podcast. And we've been like, ah, we need I miss you. Talk. Um, I was going to say, it's got creaky floorboards above her head. If you if you hear, normally it's a fly or a dog or some. Oh, I'm sorry. It, it's it's actually a teenager this time. A teenager who's passed his driving test. Yes, passed his driving test yesterday, and in about half an hour, he's going out for his first drive. So I'm going to be out taking a photo. Yeah, exciting. So you have a teenager who can now drive. I have a six-year-old who's been elected school councillor. So there's been momentous <laughs> things happening in our children's worlds. <laughs> And whenever we're talking about children, we are very aware that that is not as tactful as it could be. However, you know our stories if you've been listening to the podcast before. If you've just found us because you also want to understand more about fertility issues in the workplace, well, welcome. You're in a very safe place. And we would say go back and listen to the episodes that we shared when we relaunched the podcast this year in February 2021. Also, we've got loads of other podcast episodes talking about a whole range of topics affecting you on your route to parenthood. But this series is about fertility in the workplace. And we're sharing it with you as part of Fertility Awareness Week in the UK, which is happening in November 2021. If you're listening in the future, then it's not hopefully that old an episode that you're hearing. But first of all, Kate, you have, I think, predominantly this year, it might have started, no, it was probably before, was it, your corporate work started? Obviously, the pandemic had an Yeah, impact. about 18 months ago, I started working with um, corporate organisations, predominantly banks and law firms, in helping them really start to put fertility well-being on their well-being agenda whereas previously it wasn't and when you're having these initial conversations because I know you've been driving a lot of the conversations as well as people approaching you and when you're at the point where you're in the room how much awareness is there is there complete like I had no idea or I mean because we know that we're talking numbers wise one in four women dealing with pregnancy loss we're talking one in six couples going through fertility issues like 55,000 people in the UK in a year for example as the HFEA stat says so there's going to surely be people in that room that possibly have first-hand experience yeah I, I mean it's really interesting I think there is definitely a lack of awareness and I can give you one really good example when I spoke to a one organization which will remain nameless I did go on to work with them which was great but it was a, a reasonably male dominated organization and I was asked how applicable a conversation surrounding fertility and pregnancy loss would be to that organization so I just went straight back and said you know what it's 50 50 when it comes to the causes of fertility issues and everyone experiences 
you know, it, within the partnership, pregnancy loss, not just the woman. And and then they were like, oh yeah, right, you're absolutely right. And I did work with them; they were great, and they had some fantastic feedback from their employees as well. So I think in general there is a lack of awareness, and particularly when I talk about the stats with the organisation, they they're really quite shocked. Um, and particularly when I reference the fact that you know, if it's one in four. Um, women or individuals will have a miscarriage and that's one in four that you don't even know about in your organization um so that that quite is quite an interesting subject and I don't really need to sell it because I think those stats sell it itself don't they really um, and what about once the kind of conversations have started and I know that you're kind of doing repeat work with people about the whole mental health piece as well because we know the impact is is huge and in the work that we've done with fertility matters at work we were surveying people in 2020 like a good 68 percent of people had talked about the impact it had on their mental health and how then that has a knock-on effect into what happens with their career Uh, yeah and that's really interesting and I'm finding that often the organizations that I'm dealing with that it's it's it becomes part of their mental health well-being program so they're putting it in 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 that category which is great and one organization one bank that I've worked with actually has a a peer support group that offers that mental health support not just about fertility but about lots of different things and then some of those individuals are then coming up saying actually you know I've experienced this so I've got a special interest in fertility or pregnancy loss and therefore I want to be that peer support member for for the organization which is fantastic so they seem to be really really embracing the emotional aspects of struggling with fertility and pregnancy loss as opposed to just the more physical aspects. The time that you've now been having this conversation in the workplace and obviously you have your clients that you're you're supporting are you hearing more positive accounts from people that they're feeling more supported at work or is there still because we're talking as we are doing a big push on this fertility matters at work initiative that we've created and that you're a part of as well in a real hope to drive the conversation more and we've come through a pandemic where mental health has been put so far up on the agenda in terms of a conversation anyway but also in the workplace we've had so much more conversations about menopause and we who are talking and wanting to push this conversation about in the workplace really feel that it is starting to be heard and that this is the the beginning of hopefully a change but I'm interested in whether you're already seeing some of your patients feeling that support because we're seeing it in the community on Instagram in some of the anecdotal conversations that we've been having and the focus groups that we've had people feeling supported but there's still a lot of people who aren't being supported and they're still finding resistance and are still reluctant to even have the conversation for fear of disclosure and what that means to their career? I think at the moment, I think the majority still have that reluctance and the majority aren't getting the support. But like anything, by having these conversations that we're having on the podcast, by discussing this more and more with organisations, with more and more in organisations having fertility policies, that will slowly start to change. And I know one of our guests coming in the next few weeks has actually got a really positive story from when she approached her employers. And that was really out of reluctance to do so initially. But she's so pleased that she did because she got a really positive response. Yet actually her organisation are learning from her so they've asked her to help. So I think there's lots, there's, there is lots going on, but I think still think we're a long way off. Would you agree with that from your your kind of aspects as well and what you're doing? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it's a really fluid conversation, isn't it? There is definitely um, a sea change of sorts, but still a lack of understanding. And as Kate alluded to, as this podcast series continues, we're going to be talking about kind of best and worst practices with some examples that we've had. Also, some of your own experiences. Also, we're going to be talking about the psychological impact of dealing with all of this whilst at work. And um, we're hoping that you feel that you can get in touch as the series unfolds because you can go to the Fertility Podcast website and just leave your story. We, we really want to hopefully like prompt you to maybe share. You can be anonymous, of course. Um, if you're an employer and you're keen to share, you can also do the same because I think it's still interesting, Kate, how some of the work that we've both done, the organisations who have had the work done don't want to say they've had the work done they still would like to be anonymous around it and I'm curious as to why that is why do you think it might be I think what I'm finding it's not so much about the fact that they don't want to showcase that they're doing this work because it is such important work and they and they do but it's what I'm finding particularly with banks it's the bureaucracy the red tape that they have to step through it's it's not having allegiance to one particular supplier so more that side of it oh it's legit Okay, so it's boring stuff. Yeah. It's not anything to do with the the desire to want to no. share. And the thing is, ultimately, the work is being done in these organisations. And so the people within them are benefiting. And that's why we're doing what we're doing, isn't it? I mean, it's brilliant to hear stuff in the press, but it's also brilliant to know that companies are taking this on board. And that leads us really nicely onto the conversation that we want to share with you today, because we were really keen to start this conversation about fertility issues in the workplace with an organisation that we were really impressed with what they have done. And that is Channel 4, who in 2019 shared their miscarriage policy. And in 2021, they shared their pregnancy loss policy. And we wanted to find out more. We're going to be speaking to Naveen Alim and Landy Slattery, who are the co-founders of the Four Women Network, to find out more. What did you think when you heard? Because it was in the press. We saw it on LinkedIn and, you know, everywhere when Channel 4 announced this in April this year. Uh, amazing. Uh, you know, that an organisation like Channel 4 can actually be really putting their head above the parapet and saying, this is us, this is what we're doing. And I think this led hugely to uh, a catalyst. It was a catalyst for other organisations to do the same. Now, I think... From my understanding, there probably were other organisations that had a pregnancy loss policy or a fertility policy in existence, but perhaps felt it didn't warrant shouting about, which is shameful in itself because it should be out there more. And as you'll hear from our guests, they've had tremendous feedback um, from their organisation, from people who have benefited from the policy and have just felt so kind of grateful to be working for an organisation that, that really take this seriously. And and as we've said, those companies that maybe aren't shouting about it as much as they could do, maybe they will start to realise how important this conversation is on the agenda. So before we share our chat with you, I just need to let you know, we did have some technical problems. Our guests today are Naveen Alim, who is a senior lawyer within the corporate legal team at Channel 4, and Landy Slattery, creative director of All 4, Channel 4's on-demand platform. And both ladies are co-founders and co-chairs 
of the Four Women Network. And Naveen was having some roadworks going on outside and it was really impacting on her connection. So we weren't able to share all her insights. So you hear Naveen later in the chat, just to let you know. Um, but we start off talking to Landy about why they came to develop the pregnancy loss policy in the first place. We had such momentum and kind of notoriety and standing in the whole area with our menopause policy that we'd put in in 2019. So that had made global news. And the fact that discussing women's health was such a sort of a strange thing to be doing at the time. And it was kind of, you know, what was interesting was, was that we just wanted to build on that. So we were like, okay, what's the next thing that we can do within? And we can't tackle the whole thing together. So pregnancy loss was, you know, our next thing that we had, you know, we try and listen to rather than assume what, you know, the most important issues are, you know, we, we did a little survey at the beginning of 2020, where we, we sort of asked everyone what were what were the most concerning things. And pregnancy loss was something that, that came back was actually huge that women were pretending that they had you know stomach bugs and you know or just colds and things or you know a a bereavement and literally not explaining you know what that was I think what we found was was that people were taking time off and were struggling in silence anyway so we just really wanted to support that typically in true us style (laughs) because obviously we are just an employee network so we're women who do this on top of our day jobs and you know sometimes our day jobs are huge you know and then we 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 decide to kind of you know sort of rumbling in the background we've got kind of like yeah we'd like to move this along and move that along and then what what came about is that we saw in the in the schedule a channel for i think it was called miracles surgeons and it was about you know miracle babies basically and the decisions that surgeons and people have to make and and it showed in true channel 4 style it was going to show you know stillbirth and uh, abortions and you know all, and miscarriages very much as they happened they followed you know a certain group of women and they put down these stories it was you know, a really brilliant uh, program. But when we saw it was in the schedule for a few weeks time, we were suddenly like, actually, this would be amazing to get a policy in place to be able to um, hit with this program at the same time. So the the great thing about having a female CEO that kind of really supports us as, as four women as a network is that we have a direct line into her. So we just emailed her immediately and just sort of said, listen, this seems crazy timing, but we're going to go for gold and try and get a pregnancy loss policy in place by the time this program airs and we can, you know, do do an event around it, which we did. So the thing is, a policy is all well and good, but it can be quite static. So we wanted to know more about what Channel 4 were doing to implement the policy and what else was being provided in terms of support. It was hugely important to us to burrow down into the finer details of how a woman would access the policy and how it would make her feel doing that and what, you know, support should be around it. So it's one thing sort of putting these things in place and sort of saying, oh, now, you know, you can have this it's like actually thinking about the training for 
um, managers and colleagues in terms of what converse- what are the conversations which you know should be people can be teed up for you know so so say for instance if someone has a stillbirth you know and everybody knows that that person was pregnant right and they're coming back into the department um, you know it's actually really helpful if there's a you know sort of a, a professionally sourced PDF you know which sort of says you know like these are the types of things which are nice to say and these are the types of things that maybe you know don't say or you know yeah and and I think it's nice not just it's not just sort of about secretly teeing up everyone else to sort of know how to deal with this person it's more that it's an open thing so that that person understands that everybody else has read that pdf as well as them so like it's a group you know it's a group effort really because you know it's going to be hard for everybody um people are going to be devastated for them and you know they want to help but you know so yeah yeah I just wanted to ask Landy because that's one thing that I'm super interested in and I do with a lot of corporate organizations is I go in and do webinars about line manager training how to have those difficult and emotionally charged conversations you mentioned about pdf what else are you doing then with regards to your line managers and your leaders to to help inform them because sometimes those conversations can be super difficult to have and I've heard situations where um, line managers have shut down conversations because they're they don't know how to handle it, whether they're embarrassed or whether it's triggering for them or whether they just feel that they can't cope with that type of conversation. What are you doing then to support those line managers and leaders? Well, I mean, th- this is the thing is like we're, we're, we're trying to all find out together, you know, because like, you know, our, our investigations into it is this that like it's not as simple as just sort of Googling, you know, like you know, what's the best thing to do when and sort of, you know, downloading some great like little thing that we can all just adhere to. You know, it's a very, it's because women's health and women's health issues have not been predominantly discussed, not in the not in the front of our conversations. It seems like madness that, you know, we, we would menstruate, carry children, lose children, breastfeed children, go through the menopause, you know, have all of these, have hormonal issues, have endometriosis, have like all of these things that can can really hugely affect our working days and yet you know companies and just in society we just don't talk about them like why why we still as women and I will still put a tampon up my well I don't anymore because I'm I'm through I'm through the change and coming out the other side but you know put a tampon up the sleeve if you're in a meeting full of men you know um and you just think like what what you know why actually sort of is that so for 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 us it's we're looking into that collateral basically and we're trying to find the best training and trying to find the best quickest you know because everyone's busy and you don't want to put people through huge amounts of training either but actually just if you can have some sort of something that everyone like a crib sheet at least that people can look at that's like an ongoing project but for us actually it's more about you know putting in a pregnancy loss policy putting in one that includes elective abortion too which is well first we think because we couldn't find it anywhere else um is is basically acknowledging that you know this is just part of life this is what women go through even if they have used their agency to decide that they don't particularly want to be a mother right now which is their absolute choice that does not mean that that is not still a devastating decision for them to have to go through and and actually also that they can be caught out and somewhat unaware of the emotions that are going to flood in after they made that decision because they you know they didn't realize at the time that 
you know, it does come with some sort of emotional cost, you know. So for us, it's it's about the conversation being open and the fact that we're having it. We're just having the fact that, you know, this is a thing and you should be able to be supported and you should be able to talk about it at work and people should be briefed on how to talk to you about you should you want to. This is music to our ears, just to say, because this is the whole kind of ethos of what the podcast is about, is to have that educational piece around the support. And that's a great start, isn't it? Every- it has to start from somewhere and then it's all then it's all more about the change in the organizational culture as you go through that and I think the policies are your first step so it's great to hear that you've got other things in mind and this is just a start and you're going to develop on that because that's so important yeah I mean huge in a way because obviously mm. um you know it covers it covers it covers just such a range of different ways that this can kind of manifest itself sort of in you. I mean, I think one of the things that I found really fascinating, which I'm sure has come up in your, I'd love to hear, I will definitely be listening to some of your podcasts, but um, is, is, um, is the idea of private health not supporting fertility for a start, you know. So we were really proud of the fact that we really questioned Bupa as our provider at Channel 4 for not putting having any sort of menopause package it, and now they offer it. So, you know, there's that for a start. But then also one of the sort of, in terms of the diversity of the conversation that I found fascinating was the idea of companies that are seen as like super progressive, like, you know, Google and Snap or whatever, and they offer um, freezing of eggs. And when we started to look into that and actually discussing it, um, Naveen, I remember being really fascinated with an article you'd sent me, which was about, there's a slightly more sinister, dark side to that, because it's sort of encouraging women to defer motherhood for the sake of their careers. Yeah, it's just an interesting debate, isn't it? And it sort of goes to the intentions of the company. And I think if they're just truly to support you and give you options and choices, then that's fantastic. But it, that's really important. So, so far now, you've got this, you've got your policy, you're starting off, you're making some great steps. How is it being received? You know, is this, are you finding that people are starting to have those conversations that there is definitely more openness or is there still that kind of reluctance, people not wanting to disclose that they're either trying to conceive or that they've had a miscarriage? And, and also, are you kind of feeling... Are you seeing anything about their concerns over being overlooked for promotion, any anxieties surrounding that, or just kind of letting their colleagues down if they feel that they're having to take leave because they've experienced a miscarriage? That did definitely come up in the beginning when we had our focus groups. There was concern around, you know, not being considered for promotion, um, you know, which is why people hide it. So, you know, and as you sort of, we've discussed, the policies to sort of make that taboo go away and kind of have an open conversation in terms of how the policy, the impact has been difficult to assess because we've not really been in the office. Um, so it's, it's a tricky time. And it's sort of recently launched. It's not it's not like a year old or two years old, like the menopause policy. So we don't actually have any stats yet because we haven't carried out another survey since we've launched it. But we have had amazing quotes from people that have, you know, we were inundated with quotes saying that it's like, you know, it's fantastic male and female just getting in touch to, you know, say how much support the package with the policy you know and the two weeks paid leave means to them and how proud they are to work at a company that kind of acknowledges that that needs support so it has been really well received in terms of the actual change on the ground we we, we haven't really we haven't carried out a survey yet so that's like kind of the next step 
But yeah, it has definitely opened up the conversation and you touched on this, Natalie. It's opened up the conversation with when you do have your treatments and there is also a point where you have to accept that maybe that isn't going to work. So it has led us into um, childlessness. And so we did a piece around World, for World Childlessness Week um, in September. It brought someone forward and they, opened, they you know, spoke really honestly about how that's just totally not like, spoken about and is one of the biggest taboos because people just really don't know what to say. And yet they're discriminated against because women without children are seen as careerists. So there's a whole area there that we're exploring and we're going to do an event with a lady who's an ambassador for a charity on that subject. So it, it's just kind of opened up the conversation and we would never have done that before had we not tackled pregnancy loss. In terms of like the broadness of the conversation, there's another whole area, you know, that just feel is just not, you know, these these areas just need to be properly grown and discussed um, for people you know it's such a huge thing I mean we we felt so important when we first set up for women to not make it about motherhood you know because we were very aware right from the start that you know not everyone's working mum not everyone's trying to balance that out yeah we've always been really really mindful of the people who maybe don't or can't be and obviously we're talking to you as founders of a women's network but an issue like childlessness like we touched on with pregnancy loss affects men as well and it's important as these conversations start and develop that it is understood the impact it has and on the podcast and in the past we've talked about from a psychological point of view the impact of loss and the bereavements and the ongoing grief around infertility and how it's quite long lasting and misunderstood it's just so important that it's not just for the women it's for the men too you know I think what's also been lovely is that I think men are just starting to talk about this was actually really difficult. You know what I mean? My wife was in bits. I was in bits. It's a loss, you know, and um, and the fact that a man is considered, you know, needed to just sort of, well, it hasn't happened to you. So you crack on and go to work every day, you know. So 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 for um, for us, any man at Channel 4 can literally email HR and say I'm accessing the pregnancy loss policy and I will be taking a fortnight off work they don't need to prove anything to anyone they can just have a two weeks to get themselves back together you know and sometimes it's about amending of your heart not you know not about just having to make some soup for your wife you know it's just about having that little bit of time to to just heal from the shock of what's happened you know it's any any company can afford people that time any company can and that's super that you've mentioned about they don't have to prove it again because I've heard you know shocking stories when women have had to or men have had to go and get you know a sick certificate from their doctor to prove that this is what they're going through which nobody should have to do. Our policy calls that out and expressly states you do not need that. I can't remember what it's called now. It's not called a doctor's note anymore, is it? But um, yeah, it, it states that really clearly, which is really good. But I think it like just sort of when you compare it to the menopause policy which we launched two years ago, it's just grown and so. It's starting and I think the more people follow, you know, this kind of path, the more it becomes a conversation, the more you hear it. They see menopause absolutely everywhere now. You know, obviously it's World Menopause Day at the beginning of the week. But um, and so if we can get to that, then that's that's sort of where we need to get to. We need to talk openly because it shouldn't hold you back, like the, the fear of promotion, because it's just a thing that everyone goes through. It just should be an open discussion. And that's really the whole aim. Do you also plan to have some kind of support for your line managers with regards to if they actually find those conversations emotionally 
triggering because they might have experienced a miscarriage? Um, well, the, the policy sort of refers to various places where anyone who has experienced, you know, pregnancy loss can obtain support. So, you know, it's broad. And I guess if it was, it is, their training is to assist line managers, you know, feeling comfortable about that. So I guess if, if that was triggering, then policy does have those resources that support anyone's there is that but we also have we thought it's very a bit like the menopause we have a um pregnancy loss champion you know so an internal person that someone can go to and obviously that would apply to uh line managers their people they're managing anyone so there is that actual human connection there at channel four as well we've talked before in the podcast about the word normalize and actually usualize is an even better way when we're talking about these more complicated fertility issues because we're talking about it from a women's health point of view and I know we've talked about it it's talking to all different people involved and we're not just talking about pregnancy loss we're talking about the fertility conversation and particularly if you're in a same-sex relationship and your route to parenthood is going to be different how that then looks and that's something that we're really keen to explore with you in terms of the kind of conversations that maybe have arisen as a result of this yeah well it's interesting you say that because actually it's really nice we're back in the office because it allows people to approach us with you know under the four women uh, banner and actually I was approached this sort of this week about that and we're looking at women's health obviously we started with menopause we've moved on to pregnancy loss and fertility is the next step you know we've got endometriosis as part of like a kind of a subject that we want to tackle as well and um, so I've been doing some research and lots of companies do offer kind of financial support with the fertility treatments and so we need to look into that, obviously, and you know we always feel really strongly that it should be a policy as opposed to guidelines, but we haven't looked at that yet. That's something for next year because we've sort of been quite busy with pregnancy loss this year. It just feels so encouraging to hear how um, impactful the policy was, and I, I really hope that if you're listening in an HR capacity, if you own a business and you're thinking, okay... I get this now. I understand, you know, the implications of what people are going through and how it could be better supported. Then, you know, we've done our job because that's ultimately we want to help with the education because it's totally daunting if you don't know where to start, if you've not got any point of reference. But you need to talk to the people around you, the people that you're working with to see what they need. And it should be that we are safe at work to have these difficult conversations yeah absolutely I totally agree and I think the point that we were discussing with channel four as well is that a policy is just a starting point and from that you need to develop the organizational culture which allows these open and honest conversations and that's obviously exactly what channel four are doing which is great and I think it's really worth to think that it's an ongoing thing you're not just going to cover it in one go you've got to look at all the different ways because we wouldn't be making a podcast for seven years if it was that straightforward a conversation <laughs> would we do you know sometimes I think how on earth do we find stuff to talk about but we absolutely do yeah. you'd think you'd run out of topics when it comes to fertility but we're still here well, I remember somebody saying to me about when you're struggling to conceive it being like this really complicated lock and how you keep having to turn it for that slight twist to get the right kind of combination to, to, to fit. And um, it's not really benefiting you, but I'm now showing Kate my hands doing like two spiders. <laughs> looks like a lock. So, yeah, like a lock. <laughs> and that's how I think that there's so many different combinations. And so that's why we keep applying a different viewpoint in the different conversations we have. But this, this series is very much about fertility issues in the workplace. So just to remind you again, if you are keen and willing to share your experience in the workplace be it good or bad we've got a really simple way of you doing that you just need to go to the fertilitypodcast.com website scroll down there's a little button to leave us a message because 
The more examples of yours that we can share if we have got employers listening, which is what we hope, the more they'll understand what you're going through. And it also helps us when we are going into corporates to talk about this conversation as well. Have a listen to what this lady said. We are starting our IVF journey next week. Um, we are parents of a three-year-old um, conceived naturally. So this IVF journey is a, is a whole new ball game. I'm just sad that my worries are predominantly on calling in sick for work and not even being able to plan those sickies because, of course, we never know what day we're going to need. So instead of worrying about what I'm going to inject and where and how and what and what. So it is causing a whole new level of anxiety. And I, I want my focus to be focused on the actual IVF, not navigating it around work. My work is such that if I'm not there on that day to do that work, it will not get done. Very project based. So I'm toying with whether it's worse for my career to tell my company that I'm doing IVF or not. Or just be really flaky and, and not really on it for the next month. And even saying that, I don't know which one is the best route. HR is is useless. They're not really there to be helpful. They're just there because they have to be. Um, and my leadership, my company is very non-children, young, ambitious. So being a mother, I'm already in a minority. So yes, I'm really struggling with that. I wish I wish my headspace could be spared of, of that. Make sure you check out the show notes to find out how you can get in touch with us and follow us on our socials i'm at fertility poddy and i'm at your fertility nurse and because this podcast series is supporting the launch of fertility matters at work brand new training and policy program then the details are going to be in the show notes about a really interesting panel chat that we're holding on the 12th of november 2021 to help you understand more about how we can support you better in the workplace it's myself and kate alongside my co-founders at Fertility Matters at Work. We've got really brilliant stuff happening. So don't worry about feeling alone with all of this. We have so got your back. Do check out the show notes. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you as always for your support. And until the next time, 